I tell you what, there are few things that I enjoy doing more than, than, than genuinely gathering with brothers and sisters in the Lord who I love, who, I, who I've seen God at work in our lives, and, and, and we are celebrating his goodness. There are a few things I enjoy doing more than gathering together and, and looking to God uh, for uh, direction and sustenance together. So thank you guys that we get to open up God's word together. It's good to, good to see you. It's good to be with you. I'm thankful to Daryl who, who faithfully proclaimed the word to us last Sunday. Daryl, thank you for doing that. Uh, I thought it was encouraging. So, so thank you for, for bringing us the word. I'm not sure how you might react when I say the word birthday. Okay, maybe some of you are like, yes, a party. I love it. Maybe some of you, like me, cringe a little bit. Okay, I, I love and I hate birthdays. I love celebrating other people's birthdays. I don't really like celebrating my own. I think it has something to do with, with growing up. I was actually regularly sick with the flu on my birthday. I can distinctly remember seven different years I was sick with the flu on the day of my birthday. So, I mean, who's going to enjoy that? You know what I'm saying? I remember one time for a birthday gift, I was in high school, and my aunt uh, gave me a Leanne Womack CD, said, I hope you dance, <laughs> with a jewelry box. Oh, man. And I looked at my mom. I'm feeling like Kevin from Home Alone, where he's like, you can't wear a sweater like that in the third grade. You're going to get beat up, right? I felt like that. I was in high school. I looked at my mom, and I was like, does Aunt Lois know that I'm a guy? Like, I, I just couldn't understand why I received the gift. So, so I kind of have, like, this traumatic, traumatizing, flinching. When someone says the word birthday, I kind of want to duck and run, actually. Um, but but in, in a very real way, um, a birthday is another year. It's another time to where we can reflect and say, this has been God's faithfulness in my life. Look, look at what he's done this past year. Look at his faithfulness. Look at his mercies. Look at his love. And I actually think that whether you love birthdays or hate birthdays, that's, that's fine. But I think that we need regular times of reflecting and remembering the faithfulness of God in our lives. Be, because it's the difference between remembering and ultimately forgetting. And it's really disastrous. The, the difference between remembering and forgetting the faithful works of God are disastrous for our lives. And, and that's what we want to look at together and, and answer the question, why is that so important? So if you have a Bible with you, I encourage you to open up to the book of Joshua. That's kind of where we're at. We're in Joshua chapter 4 this morning, and we're really going to go through the entire chapter um, if you don't have a Bible with you, I'm sure you can find it on your phone. Also, inside our bulletin, it has uh, not only our scripture reading and sermon notes, but it has all of Joshua chapter 4, so you're able to look at it. So everything that I'm looking at with you, we can look at it together and think about it. And if you don't know much about the book of Joshua, uh, usually people think that it's a book about a guy named Joshua, or it's about Israel's military conquests into the promised land, but, but it's actually neither of those things. Um, the book of Joshua is actually about God, who kept his promise to his people, even when it looked 
impossible. God kept his promises and he brought Israel, his people, into the promised land because he loved them. And just as Israel did not come out of Egypt by their own power, so the land that they're receiving in the promised land is not brought by Israel's military might or Joshua's brilliant strategies, but instead it's given to them by the Lord because he loves them. And so we see the book of Joshua is about how God keeps his promises, no matter how impossible they may seem. And as you guys might know, we have our verse of the series that we are memorizing together as a church that's going to help us think through the book of Joshua together. And so it's going to be here on the screen, and we're going to say it out loud together, okay? We're going to see how your memory and your memory work is going. Let's all say Joshua 21, 45 together. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. Man, that's a, that's a word we can, we can hang our hats on. Uh, let me go to, uh, let, let's, let's pray to God as we open up his word this morning. Heavenly Father, we realize that unless your spirit is at work right now, we are doing little more than a history lesson. And that's not our goal. God, our goal is to be transformed by your word so that we would look more like our Savior, King Jesus, so that we would live more faithful lives to you and that you would be glorified and honored in our lives. And so, Lord, we pray that as we look at Joshua chapter 4, you would help us, that your spirit would be at work uh, in us while we study your word, that we might leave changed more into the likeness of Christ. So God, do that good work, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, let me give you a big idea before we jump into the passage so that you have a roadmap of where we're going. Okay, we're, I'm one of those people, I like to know where I'm going. I put my GPS on to go to Respects, Okay. Uh, we, we had some friends over for dinner last night, and, I, and we literally busted out like a United States atlas, okay? We're that kind of level of people. So let me give you the roadmap of where we're headed this morning, that if you remember nothing else, this is what we want you to walk away with. Following God takes intentional remembering of his mighty works. So let's remember, let's celebrate and let's follow him. Following God takes intentional remembering of his mighty works. So let's remember together. Let's celebrate together, and let's follow him together. And so we're going to look at Joshua chapter 4 just in two different parts, verses 1 to 14, and then verses 15 to 24. So here's what uh, is written beginning in verse 1 of chapter 4 of the book of Joshua. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. 
Then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. For the priests bearing the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. The people passed over in haste. And when all the people had finished passing over, the ark of the Lord and the priests passed over before the people. The sons of Reuben, and the sons of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the people of Israel, as Moses had told them. About 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him just as they had stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. Well, let's take a moment and look at these memorial stones. We see, actually, if, we've been, if you've been uh, with us so far through this series, we see that Joshua chapter 4 is connected to Joshua chapter 3 because it's, it's the finishing of Israel crossing over the Jordan River into the promised land. And this is the land that's promised by God, the creator of the universe, to Abraham, the father of the nation of Israel, hundreds of years earlier. So God is being faithful here in Joshua 4 to keep his promise to Abraham way back in Genesis 12, where he says, when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So the nation of Israel started with Abraham, who then became the father of Isaac, who became the father of Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. Each son corresponds to the tribe of Israel, right? 12 sons, 12 tribes, all connected to Abraham. And in verse 2 of our passage, one man from each tribe was to take a stone out of the Jordan River and to take it with them where they would camp. And they'd take the stones and create a memorial uh, to remember what Yahweh had done for them. This is not the first time Israel has made a memorial. It's not the first time we see this idea of remembering the work of the Lord. The people of God needed regular reminders of the work of God. So think, for example, of the, 
of the 10 plagues back in Exodus 12. In the final plague in the Passover, where the people of God had to kill an unblemished lamb and take some of the blood and put it on their doorposts of the house where they stayed in that night. And then Yahweh was to pass through the land uh, in the land of Egypt and execute judgment. But the blood on the doorposts would be a sign and God would pass over that house and they would be safe. Well, in Exodus 12, verse 14, Israel was to make that a memorial, a feast to the Lord, remembering his deliverance. In fact, even the name of God, even the name Yahweh is a reminder of God's amazing works. In Hosea chapter 12, it says this, the Lord, the God of hosts, the Lord is his memorial name. So you, by the help of your God, return, hold fast to love and justice and wait continually for your God. So God is known as the God of hosts. Yahweh is his name. We are to remember him by. And so the people of God needed regular reminders of the work of God. Israel coming out of the wilderness for 40 years of wandering the desert because of their disobedience, Israel needed to remember the great works of God. They were delivered from slavery. They were brought into the promised land and given an inheritance that God had promised. So really to forget the faithful and loyal work of God is to forget God. In the book, The Hobbit, I love that book, actually. I haven't actually read the book. I've only seen the movie. <laughs> but I love the movie, okay? <laughs> Leah, you can hate me later. It's okay. Um, in the book, The Hobbit, the dwarves are on the way to the Lonely Mountain, and they have to pass through the forest of Mirkwood, right? And, but inside the forest, this dark forest, there's this river. And, and if anyone touched the water in it or drank from it, it would make them fall into this dreamy sleep and they'd forget where they were going, they for, were forget what they were doing, and they would forget why they were doing it. Friends, the world we live in today has so many distractions and things demanding our attention in that very moment that we easily forget God almost as if we forget where we are going and what we should be doing and why we are even doing it. We have careers that we want to advance. We have mortgages and bills that we need to pay. We have work problems that fill our minds even when we're not at work. We have family and each person in our family has their own needs and they have their need for attention and, and they need help and they have their own set of problems that require us to focus and help love them as well. And some of these families have these things called teenagers and that's a whole nother set of problems in and of itself. Kids are involved in, our, in, in their interests, right? They play Travel ball, spring ball, fall ball, football, basketball, and everything else. And all of a sudden, survival becomes the name of the game. But when survival becomes the name of the game, we've forgotten where we're going, where we, what we should be doing, and why we're doing it, and how God fits in with it. We need to remember the work of God. Look at what Joshua says in verse 6. 
that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? It isn't only a memorial sign for the adults of Israel. No, remembering the faithful work of God is important for our children too. Hebrew parents were instructed to teach their children the mighty works of God. In Deuteronomy 6, we read this beginning in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to give to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to you with great and good cities that you did not build and houses full of all good things that you did not fill and cisterns that you did not dig and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant and when you eat and are full, this is it, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve and by his name you shall swear. Friends, remembering the covenant loyal God is important so that we don't repeat the past. Right? That's what our scripture reading was all about in Psalm 78. Uh, we had, did not want to hide the wondrous works of God from our children, but we wanted to tell them of every single upcoming generation all of the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done because we want them to set their hope in God and not forget the works of God so they would not be like their fathers a stubborn and rebellious generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God, and who forgot the mighty works of God. See, we need to remember the faithful, loyal work of God for his people so that we don't become hard-hearted, so that we don't abandon the Lord, but can pass down trusting God and hoping in God. So brothers and sisters, what memorials do you have in your family to remember the goodness and faithfulness of God? Israel had lots of memorials throughout the year to remember the faithfulness of God, including the Passover, including these 12 stones. Psalm 38, Psalm 70 were songs designed to remember the goodness of God. Christian, do you celebrate when God has provided a job for you, or even when you finished a semester of school, you should celebrate. But don't celebrate by yourself. Bring others along too. Husbands and wives, do you celebrate your anniversary? You should, as a memorial of God's faithfulness in your life. You know, it's interesting. One of our core values here at Friendship Baptist Church is deep discipleship. 
So parents, remembering God begins at home with us. How are you doing in training up your children to know the Lord? Part of it is memorials. Church body, that includes us. It includes what we do. Here are some 2023 statistics for you. Friendship Baptist Church. 35% of our attendance on Sunday mornings are kids under the age of 14. 35%. Last Sunday, it was 43% of the people who walked in our building were under the age of 14 which means that children are not an afterthought here. We aren't trying to keep them busy while the adults have our own worship service. Instead, we want to train them to know God, to love him, to put their hope in him, and to follow him all of their days. So people who serve in children's ministry, either at discipleship hour or maybe on a rotation for children's church, Maybe you serve with the youth. Maybe you serve with Awana. Maybe you just have kids. Or maybe you see them running around like velociraptor packs around the church and you're trying not to step on one of them. (laughs) Do you know what our goal is? It's Psalm 78. To open our mouths and teach our children the things that we know about the glorious deeds of the Lord, of his might and his wonders that he has done so that our children would also hope in God and not make the same mistakes that we've made in our own lives. Friends, we are constantly one generation away from not having children in church. In fact, I think God is forgotten generationally. Even the kids who are raised in church need to be reminded of God's greatness. Even the adults who attend church every Sunday need to be reminded of God's faithful, loyal works for his people. So many of the associational missionaries in the Southern Baptist Convention, so these are guys who are not pastoring churches. These are guys who used to pastor churches and now pastor pastors who are uh, pastoring churches. These are guys who, are, who work with associations within states The number one thing that is said among associational missionaries in the SBC is this. Pray for my kids. They aren't going to church and they don't love Jesus. Certainly it's the Lord who saves and we want to give as many opportunities for our children to respond to the gospel as possible. And so we need to repeat the wonderful works of God each other. That's what great music does when we gather, at least in part. Great hymns remind us of of the works of God in the past. They interpret uh, the present, and they give us hope for the future of what God is going to continue to do. Uh, That's what we want on our lips. And memorials take time, but they're worth it. Israel made these memorials part of crossing over the Jordan River, The Levitical priests who were holding up the Ark of the Covenant were standing in the middle of the river the entire time. I'm sure they're like, dude, can you move a little bit faster with those stones? This thing is getting heavy here. They stood there waiting 
because it was important for them and because they had future generations in mind. How do we as a church celebrate and remember what the Lord has done? Well, the ultimate work of God that displays his loyal love towards his people, it isn't Egypt, it isn't crossing the Red Sea, it isn't crossing the Jordan River, it is this, Jesus taking on human flesh, becoming like us in every way, but without sin. And then Jesus going to the cross to take the penalty for our rebellion against God. So because of that, we as a church body, we take the Lord's Supper regularly as a body, remembering the work of Christ. In fact, before we eat that stale bread and before we drink that watered-down grape juice, we say this, let's remember together. In fact, I think that's so much of the Christian life is remembering God's faithfulness in our lives. The fact that, that we take the Lord's Supper in memory of what Christ has done is actually one reason why we, we think that believers only should take the Lord's Supper because only believers can remember in a worshipful way of the work of God on our behalf. We can't remember together if we aren't at least first trusting in God as our Savior. You know, something else that we do, uh, it's a small thing, but at our final business meeting every single year, we always get those uh, annual yearly reports, right? And we, and we map out the stuff that God has done. Well, on, on the back of it, we thank God for his work. We anticipate God's work for the upcoming next year. We remember what the Lord has done in our lives as a body each year. If God has done something great in your life, Christian, don't keep it hidden. Celebrate it. Let us celebrate with you too so that we too would remember the faithful works of God. Because I'll tell you what, temptation never hits harder than, we can't, than when we can't think of a single thing that God has done recently. But when we see the work of God in our lives and the lives of those around us, we remember the faithful work of God. So Christian, when you are between a rock and a hard place, don't despair. Instead, remember. When we face obstacles from every side, remember what God has done in the past. A great example of this is David and Goliath, right? Goliath was this dude who made everyone cower in fear. And David, who's this little shepherd boy remembers how God helped him with the bear and helped him with the lion. And so when he goes up and he faces Goliath, he goes, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Right? Like he remembers the faithful work of God and the, re and the reality is that it doesn't fear him whatever he faces. Brothers and sisters, remember the faithful works of God so that when something is coming up against us, we don't cower in fear and think, oh no, what is the Lord going to do? Instead, we say, this is tough. I'm, I'm excited to see what the Lord's going to do with it. I'm excited to see how he is going to sustain me through it. Remember what Romans 15, 4 says, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. 
So part of hoping in God is remembering to read the faithful works of God and hoping in God together. You know, we love to critique Israel and how they were ultimately unfaithful, but, but look at verse 8 with me. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded. That's exactly what they said they were going to do in chapter 1, verse 16. So at least at the beginning, Israel was faithful to obey. Israel passed over the promised land. It finally happened. 40,000 are crossing, ready for war, and they're recognizing that God was with Joshua, just as God was with Moses, for Israel to faithfully follow. So following God takes intentional remembering of his mighty works. So let's remember and celebrate and follow. Let's look at the second half of chapter 4, verses 15 to 24. Here's, here's what's written. And the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priests bearing the ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, Come up out of the Jordan. And when the priests bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord came up from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet were lifted up on dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. The people came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know. Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Well, let's look at this message for the nations. The entire time the priests are holding up the ark in the midst of the Jordan River, and once all the memorial stones had finished, the priests holding up the ark came out of the Jordan. As soon as the priests' feet were out of the river, the waters returned and overflowed their banks, as verse 17 says. And so Israel crossing the Jordan River is an amazing act of God bringing his people to the land that he promised them. This is not something to forget. It is something to repeat and celebrate again and again because this is not some small act. This is the same type of work that God did for Israel in crossing the Red Sea, verse 23 says. So Joshua is anticipating this reality by telling parents to be ready to talk about that great event. If you remember, on November 7th, 2001, Alan Jackson, the country singer, released a new song called Where Were You When the World Stopped Turning? A song about the emotions surrounding the attacks of 9-11. Every generation of, of, from my age and up can tell you where they were 
and what they were doing and how they were feeling when they think about 9-11. We need to be able to remember and celebrate the big things that God has done in a very similar way as that. Look at how Joshua phrased it in verse 21. When your children ask about it. So parents, don't get annoyed when your kids ask the why questions. Why is the motivation for life? If we don't have the why questions down, then we're not going to be able to pass along the same values. Be patient. Let them be curious. Tell stories of when you were young. You don't have to be the hero. You don't have to have it all figured out. But you should highlight the wonderful mercy of God towards you in those situations. Look at the responsibility of parents in verse 22. There is a discipleship mandate here. Parents are not to be neutral towards what your children think about when it comes to God. So parents, train your children to do more than kick a soccer ball and hit a tennis racket. Teach them how faith in God affects our everyday life. That it for and if that forces you parents to examine your life and to be like, man, I should probably live for the Lord more, then don't make that a reason not to talk to your kids about faith and trusting in God. You know, one of the things that we try to emphasize here at Friendship is the number three. We recognize that four kids, statistically, for kids to not lose their faith once they leave high school, uh, it seems like they need to have three significant adult relationships with people in the church before they graduate, outside of their parents, right? So whether that's a great Sunday school teacher, whether that's a great youth discipleship group leader, whether that's just an adult who is, is, is taking interest in them. But, but the number three is what we try to think through when we think, okay, what do, when our kids graduate um, from high school and they go on to college or they go to work, what do we want them to have? And that is we want them to have three important relationships with other people who have shared the gospel with them from our church body. So even if you don't even have kids and you're like, well, I don't have kids, no, that's okay. Uh, we are a church body. We are called to actually help disciple one another and so we encourage you as well to think, okay, who are those people that I'm trying to invest my life into with the gospel so that when they graduate from high school, they don't cut tail and run? Who are those three individuals? We're not to be neutral about what children think about God. Our children, our kids here in the body, they're not looking for something perfect they are looking for real discipleship. What's fascinating to me is how God intends his powerful work to be used in the lives of others. Uh, it's actually remarkable. The work of God isn't only for Israel in that moment. Yes, they crossed through the, through the Jordan River. They needed to get to the promised land. God was powerfully at work for Israel, but then it's also for future generations of Israelites. But then look at verse 24. Verse 24 says the work of God is also for the world to know about the greatness of God. Friends, the reality is this. The lost won't worship God if they don't know 
about God. The truth about God, including his might and his power, should be the driving force of why we share the gospel with our friends. The reason Rahab in the book of Joshua was ready to be faithful to Yahweh instead of faithful to her people was because the truth of God was on display through the power of God working for his people. Look, the reality is this. When our friends, Walter and Min, were willing to have gospel conversations with me at Chapman's, it began with the reliability of the Bible through the powerful acts of God in the Old Testament. And then that led to the, to the powerful act of God through Jesus' resurrection. Then that led to the trustworthiness of God and the Bible. And that led to them coming to being part of our fellowship here until they ended up moving. Friends, the splitting of the Jordan River was God providing for his people. It was a time to remember the discipleship, or time to remember for the discipleship of Israel's future kids and generations, but it's also evangelism material for the world. God isn't providing for us just for us individually. God loves us, but God acts for his glory. The ways that God works in our lives by providing for us, by protecting us, by saving us, it's not to keep quiet. It's to shout from the rooftops for the greatness of God to be known. And so if we stay quiet about the work of God, both in our lives and what we read in the Bible, the lost will not call on the name of the Lord to be saved. And so the work of God should lead us to know God, which should then lead us to worship God. Verse 24 literally says the phrase, all the days. Our worship of God is not to be a one-time act a one-time feeling of loving God, but it's to be all of our days, not just special holidays, not just Sundays, but all of the days of our lives. Brothers and sisters, does the knowledge of God drive your worship of him? It should. We cannot rightly worship what we do not rightly know. Jesus made that clear to, to the woman at the well in John chapter 4. He said, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So to rightly worship God in spirit and in truth, brothers and sisters, means we must know the truth about God, the truth of his mighty works. And the truth about God needs to drive our worship of God. Verse 24 uses the word fear. Uh, to fear God in this context is to give him wholehearted loyalty. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, wow, this guy is really pushing on us this morning. I'm not even sure what I think about Jesus at all. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a Christian. <laughs> I, uh, let me just say it's an honor that you're here this morning. Wow, I can think of no better place for you to be than to hear of the faithful works of God. I wonder, what do you think about 
when you think about God? Do you think of his mighty works delivering his people? Maybe culturally you, you think immediately something about Jesus? I wonder, do you think he's actually weak or unable to work? Consider why Christians remember their great works of God. Consider what we've been saying this morning, that to know the great works of God will help us to know God and set our hope in God and will then lead to the worship of God. So if you're here and you're not a Christian this morning, I encourage you to consider what is it that I think about God when I think about God? And, and does that line up with who we see God being in the Christian Bible? He is actually one who created the heavens and the earth. He created the universe and everything in it. He spoke and it came into being. And God wasn't just a, simply a first starter and then just let everything else go away. No, we see that he has been intimately involved in the world since he began it. In fact, even here, God has stopped the waters of the Jordan River so that his people would walk through safely. When we think about God, think about the great, powerful works of God. Think about how God's love is displayed ultimately in the person of Jesus, who was willing to leave the glories of heaven and come down to earth and take on human flesh and die in the place of people who rebelled against him. And then God did another mighty work. On the third day, he rose, he raised Jesus from the dead. That's an incredible work of God. We need to remember that and set our hope in that. So if that's something you would like to, to know more about, if you want to talk more about what it means to remember and know the mighty works of God, come find me afterward. We'll have elders here at the front uh, at the end of the service to talk with you, to pray with you with anything that you'd like to pray for. Um, but, but don't stay quiet. Come and find out about these mighty works of God. Brothers and sisters, how should our loyalty to God be displayed in our lives this morning and this week, right? We're not, we're not like Israel. We're not going to Jericho. We're not storming a city and marching around it. Well, friends, here are some very simple ways that God has called us to display our loyalty to him in our lives. First is once you become a believer, we take a public profession of baptism. We say, I am gonna follow the Lord all of my days. Jesus' death was my death. And Jesus' resurrection, I will be raised in him. And I will walk in newness of life. The second way that we display our loyalty to God in our lives is we do what is so culturally backwards. We say that love is pictured in commitment. And so we display our love and loyalty to God by joining a church who's committed to preaching the gospel and living out the kingdom with one another. In a day when commitment is a bad word to the world, it's a picture of love in Christianity. So join a church and commit to it by serving God, by serving those in the church. 
The third way that we display our faith is when we begin to serve, as we give sacrificially, as we take the Lord's Supper, as we gather for worship week in and week out. Uh, I'm convinced that if we aren't willing to follow God publicly, that we won't actually do much following of God privately. God acts so we who believe would worship him and serve him all of our days. That's what the Christian life is about. It's that we are saved and rescued and redeemed, and then we let other people know the greatness of our God with the promise that Jesus will come back and return and bring us home to be with him forever. So brothers and sisters, following God takes intentional remembering of his mighty works. So let's remember together. Let's celebrate his works together. And let's follow him faithfully together. Maybe you love birthdays, maybe you hate them. But the truth is God is loyal to his people in big ways and in small ways. And we need to recount those ways. We need to retell the faithful works of God. We need to celebrate the mighty works of God, and we need to follow God as a result. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are not silent when it comes to your faithful works. Thank you that the Bible is filled with ways that you have faithfully been with your people. And we pray, God, that we would have ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to believe that we could set our hope in you. So God, help us to build every hour, every day of our lives on your faithfulness towards us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.